All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tip It Out podcast. I'm your not host host, Ben Fultz. Um, we got a really exciting uh, segment coming up today, but first let me introduce the other two folks here, big golfer guys. Uh, we'll start with uh, IFB. Go ahead. What's up, man? Happy to be here. Excited for our segment today. I think it's going to be a good one. It's going to be awesome. Um, and the other person is Mac. Go ahead, Mac. Hey, yep. How's it going? You hope you guys are having a good Monday. Um, I am not struggling with some knee problems. We'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, let's let's kick it off. I'm excited. Mac mm-hmm. and Victor Olajiko both struggling with knee problems. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, mine's not career ending. Um, speaking of knee slash potential bad weather impending, uh, let's jump right into our birdies and bogeys. That'll make more sense in a couple seconds. Um, I'll kick it off with my birdie just to get us started here. Uh, Ferrara uh, down there and I and one of our other old uh, teammates named Evan Jenkins uh, coached for a B-team College of Worcester event this weekend on Sunday. Um, it was super fun. And, uh, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with our breaking 100 because our B team had two guys that shot 89. Uh, so we, we, we got some good firsthand advice uh, watching them play uh, that we can then give you. And hopefully they never hear this and get mad at me for saying that. Um, but they were mad anyway, so it doesn't matter. But um, it was super fun to throw out any names. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, it was super fun to be out there. So um, that was a great birdie last week. Cool. I'll uh, I'll go next. Um, kind of have two birdies uh, of the week. Started to start the birdies. First birdie is that the birdies are starting to fall. We played. I played twice last week and made four birdies over the course of two rounds, two nine hole rounds. So, you know, it feels like the floodgates are starting to open up and birdies are starting to fall, um, which is which is awesome. And I. My second birdie was the quick shout out to the Fitzpatrick brothers, specifically Alex Fitzpatrick. They played in the uh, two man event this week in the PGA Tour. Had a pretty good showing. I was I, I was definitely impressed. I think they finished right around. I think they were top twenty, right around T twenty ish. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but still cool. I know Alex has um, been struggling through like mini tour, trying to get some status in the Corn Ferry Tour, and got the call up to play with his brother and. Uh, had a pretty good shot, so no nice. real bogeys this week. Uh, other than, other than our, <laughs> my first ever time coaching two guys shoot fucking eighty nine in a college. <laughs> Honestly, um, that's a that's a that's a. And we had a, and we had another guy WD because he hurt his he hurt his wrist. He had like that, a was, wrist. that was a weird one. He broke his wrist like a couple years ago, and he re hurt it on like the same wrist on on one of the holes and it had WD. Oh, I, I give him a lot of props because he played like. He played three. two holes, yeah, two or three holes with like he can't even like follow through. His wrist was hurting so bad, and we're like, dude, there's no. This is a B team event in you know one of the last <laughs> in the year. Let's not let's not break you know let's not make your wrist injury any worse. Let's let's just and it's, and it's 45 degrees outside and snowing. Yeah, exactly. and he was gonna just keep playing with ice on his wrist. Okay, that's yeah. It, the cold weather just definitely does not help with that. Let's let's minimize our mobility for the next seven holes. <laughs> Well, yeah, so uh, my birdie of the week, uh, kind of got two. One of them, Nick Hardy and Davis Riley, uh, both breaking the seal, getting their first PGA Tour wins. 
I will say I did not watch any of it, but it's cool to see him, uh, those two win because they've been around the top um, this past year or so. So it's cool to see them finally break the seal, getting getting their first win on tour, getting some status. For sure. Question for you. How big of an asterisk is there next to their name now that it says one PGA Tour win? There's definitely an asterisk until they win another one. I think so, too. I think you have to win on your own for the Zerg Classic to be considered a win. Yeah. But that being said, they still get status and they still get get some starts. So they'll be around for a couple more years. And then my other one is finally got outside, finally got done with some obligations and was able to go play some golf. And it was absolutely beautiful out. Course was in phenomenal shape. Greens were already firm and fast. Um, And started off with a smooth smooth 86 on the Friday. Not good. But my birdie is a shot 75, no bogeys or no birdies on uh so my first yeah, weekend back. A lot, a lot of, of pars. pars, three bogeys and a lot of pars. That's fine. Um, made some phenomenal up and downs. Um the day before the guy I was playing with, I was playing with him on the next day, and he's like, Yeah, you're gonna have to work on your hands. I know you got some silky hands. You gotta you gotta show me that tomorrow. And I and I did hit some phenomenal right. flop shots, some good wedges, but um yeah. Yeah. My bogey of the week, as I said, is my knee. So I am now dealing, because of all that walking, I guess, or something, I am now dealing with a bum knee, and I have no idea what it is. Um, But so I, that just means start of the season, no golf for the foreseeable future as as of now, which is kind of kind of hurts. Yeah. But hopefully short game and putting will be a lot better. No need, no need no, to push it early in the season. It's only April still, dude. There's a, it's a long season. Oh, yeah. You know, I got to be fresh for the Mel Reap Cup in yeah, September. Exactly. And uh, I'll, I'll throw in here that, uh, you know, when you go to the grocery store and they ask you to, you know, give a couple cents uh, to the kids, say, fuck the kids, give the money to us so that Mac can have a speedy recovery. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we need those. Sports rehab clap or <laughs> a couple of cents for the kid. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see him out there, so do we. Let's make it happen, folks. Yeah. Fultz, you got any bogeys? I didn't hear I didn't hear any uh yeah, yeah I, I thought we were gonna be bogeys first and then bogeys, but either way it doesn't matter. My bogey is pretty garbage, it's just bad weather last week. Um wasn't able to get out and play a bunch. And then the one day when I was able to be on the course coaching, it was like I said, 45 and snowing. So um, yeah, just terrible weather. Oh, yeah, baby. yeah I know. The week before, uh, it was like four days of seventies, and then it's right. so. yeah, yeah. We I feel like we say it every podcast that we're all from Ohio, but you know, <laughs> it's very good. Chris didn't know you. You're gonna hammer that home. <laughs> um, well, cool. That was some good birdie and bogeys. Um, I say we jump right into our brand new segment here of Breaking One Hundred, and I say brand new segment only because. Our plans for this is we're going to have a little series on Breaking 100, which is today's episode. And in the future, we're going to slowly work that number down, um, probably getting as low as like 75, 70s uh, area. And hopefully we'll have some good advice at each step there, maybe going by 10 strokes. So we'll do 100, 90, 80, 70, um, and just give everybody some advice that we've learned along the way um, that really helps out at each of those tiers. Uh, So speaking of today, comes 100 and I think we're going to kick it off with a little um, a little overview just kind of general topics for 
um, breaking 100. Um, does anybody have anything they want to kick off with? Um, I, I would like to say one thing. Um, mm-hmm. To break 100, you got to swing the club less than 100 times. That's easy as that. All right, end up. <laughs> All right. Pod, pod, pod done. <laughs> yeah. Roll credits. I think we're going to kind of break down like different areas of the golf game, right? Like driving approach, wedge game, oh, uh, the green, and then, and then putting. And then each of us will kind of throw some insights in, on uh, various segments. But uh, yeah, I think if I would kick one thing off uh, with breaking 100 is reps. Like you got to play a lot. You got to. You can't just like expect to break 100 without playing a lot of golf. I guess if I can kick anything off with with before we get into some nitty gritty stuff is just I'm not I'm not saying go spend a bunch of time on the range or putting green because that's not quite as important until we want to start breaking 90 and breaking 80. But just playing golf frequently, mm-hmm. once a week, twice a week, um, 18 holes, just continuing continuing to just go out and play is probably the overarching. Um, Yep. overarching like way to <laughs> break a hundred, but now, now let's get into some specifics and now we're playing all the time. How are we going to, how are we going to break a hundred? So oh, I actually have one more, I have one more general thing that I want to state here, especially jumping off this, this topic. Um, I think it should be known that if you're really trying to break a hundred, that getting new equipment is going to be a big step in that process, whether it comes, you know, uh, when you're like consistently shooting 80 or it depends on how good your new, your current equipment is and all this and blah, blah. But, I think it is a big part of getting better is having better equipment as well. So, you know, I'm not saying if you're shooting 105 consistently, go out and buy new clubs and you'll shoot, you know, 72. But I am saying, you know, if you buy some new clubs, that'll definitely help your process. It'll get you excited for the game. You'll get out there and play more, emphasizing the reps that Ferrar is talking about. Um, but also, you know, the, the newer technology is really good and more forgiving than older technology. So, um, there's some there's some big benefits that you gain there at any step of the process. Even if you're shooting 75 consistently, just dropping a few strokes could be equipment. So um, that, I think that's that's a big one for you know just kicking this off. Um, I would say yeah, I would rule of thumb would be I think nowadays equipment doesn't really make any jumps outside inside of 10 years. So if your clubs and stuff are more than 10, 15 years old, maybe worth looking into it. I would say. However, for breaking a hundred, probably not that important. I think it comes down to more course management and just, you know, playing just smart golf, mm-hmm. understanding how to play the game, not the swing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. But, you know, I'd be a miss without mentioning it. Somebody in the comments would be like, dude, you didn't talk about equipment and my equipment's, you know, I'm hitting wooden clubs, man. Quick plug to the Windmill Lakes Golf Center in Macedonia, Ohio. Great place to hit. <laughs> <laughs> Our non-presenting presenting sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> Let me uh why don't we kind of like work our way down? Like why don't we start with driving and kind of work our way towards the green of just yeah, things. absolutely. Let's play a hole. Let's play a the- th- higher uh theoretical hole. Yeah, theoretical hole. So um a couple of statistics I want to throw at you guys. Um so for handicaps 21 and over, which isn't quite a hundred, but close enough. It's, it's as close to the data as I could get. So high handicapper, 21 plus average driving distance off the tee is 176.6 yards. Um, average driving distance from a, for, for a 13 to 20 handicapper, about a guy that's going to break a hundred, right? 200, 200 yards. So driving distance. And then if you look at a scratch golfer, they're driving it 245 yards. So there is a, there is something to be said about distance, but I don't think distance is the whole story. The, um, 
but it's definitely a part of it, right? Like you're not, I guess when I think of the, those distance numbers being so different, it's not like different, like level caliber athletes. It's like making consistent contact with the ball, right? Like we're not topping it. We're not chunking our tee shots. We're hitting the club face and at least advancing the ball 200 yards. That's, that's like the goal. Yeah. Um, with, I think anybody can drive the ball 200 yards as long if they're making consistent contact. Exactly. Exactly. And then, um, this stat I find super, super interesting. So 21 plus handicappers hit driver 97% of the time on 90 on like 97% of the holes they're hitting driver. If you look at like a scratch golfer or a low handicapper, they're hitting it like 84 to 82% of the time. So like mm-hmm. that number of me to like two less holes around low handicappers are hitting something other than driver. And you're um, averaging I mean, if you take out par threes, which I'm assuming that stat does, like, yeah, at most you can hit driver 14 times around, yep. really, theoretically, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So you think about that, that big drop in percentage is that, like, that's a sizable difference in percentage. You know, that's, you know, four or five holes. Yeah. So I, I think, like, if we're going to, if we're going to break 100, we, we got to be thinking about what the hole requires and, like, where our misses with driver versus other clubs, like, it's it's not worth it to hit driver and hit and like bring water into play or bring a, out of bounds into play or bring a hazard into play when you can hit something less than driver lay up short of it keep it straighter with an iron or with a three wood you know more likely to keep it save yourself penalty strokes from 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 having to get penalty strokes like that's that's huge so i guess if i take a couple things off is driving distance by consistent contact and like hitting something other than driver off off tee boxes and not 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 just pulling driver every single hole and like having some strategy about, okay, here's what the hole is. Here's what the hole gives me. And you know, where can I, where do I miss with driver? Where do I miss with three wood? Right? Like, can I, can I, can I potentially avoid a penalty by hitting something other than driver? Because saving penalty strokes when we're breaking hundred is another, like if you, if you could list tiers of how you break hundred, like avoiding penalty strokes is gotta be, um, at the top. So Ben, I know you had a point there. Go ahead. Yeah. I just want to throw in that. Um, that's a really cool stat first. That, that was a nice one to find. Um, I wonder if there's a stat, I didn't do any research on this one. I had a different section, but I wonder if there's a stat about the like margin of error for the longer clubs. Um, because I think that's something that goes hand in hand with, with your tee shot uh, notice there. But if I pull, you know, a three iron, my thought is just get this in the fairway pretty much, you know, like I don't care if it goes, you know, 180 or 230, it's just supposed to go straight, you know, cause I know my margin of error is way smaller with a three yeah. iron than it is with my driver. And I think that might be missed for the, the higher handicap golfers. They're like, I need to hit this ball. You know, I need to hit it. I don't know, 250 or something like that. Um, but they don't realize that it could be 250 straight into the woods. Yeah, uh, something like that. So I wonder, you know, maybe the margin of error really doesn't matter much at a at a hundred handicap, but well, yeah, it definitely it definitely does. And, mm-hmm. and driver, like, so what what increases margin of error is like club head speed, probably. Mm-hmm. And your swing, your driver is the longest club in your bag. It has, um, and it for for every golfer, like your cl- highest club head speed is going to be with your driver just because of the length of it. Um, and I think definitely highest margin of error. Uh, driver second three wood like it just goes off of the length of your clubs and and probably has something also to do with the loft 
Um, yeah, the lower a lower lofted club tends yeah. to have a higher margin of error for sure, or lower margin of error because uh, it puts more side spin on it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so yeah. I think it's just a, it's just a good thing for higher handicaps to think about. You know, if you're you're worried about a tee shot or you stand up on the tee, yeah. um, and you know your first thought should be, okay, well maybe I shouldn't pull a driver here. Maybe my three would be a little bit more accurate. Um, you know, and I can just keep it in the fairway or something like that. Um, just to, to level set real quick, I, I had this thought and I wrote this down. I forgot to kind of mention this first. Um, mm-hmm. If you double bogey every single hole on a par 72, you shoot 98. So um, to break 100, we only need to make a double on every hole. And right. there's going to be some holes where we make birdie, where we make bogey or par, and there's going to be some holes where we make triple or quad, right? But mm-hmm. the average needs to be a, a, a double bogey. And if you think about a par four, like hitting something other than driver only 150 yards and then hitting another 150 yard shot and then hitting another 150 yard shot and then two putting, mm-hmm. you, you know, like <laughs> you hit 350, uh, 150 yard shots and then, and then two putt, you make bogey. So like, mm-hmm. um, you don't need to be so focused on hitting is like a bomb drive and then hitting mm-hmm. the green too. When, when you're trying to break a hundred, like <laughs> seven iron, seven iron wedge yeah. Yeah. and two putt is a bogey. It's, yeah. it's such a hard concept for people to grasp that, like, um, especially at high handicap levels, that it, it doesn't need to be a, a bomb driver and a perfect seven iron to it to the green. Like, you don't even need to we, yeah. go hit, we could go hit six iron, six iron wedge, or you know, seven iron, seven wedge like that. And, and, yeah, I hate mind. to burst. I hate to burst your bubble, Evan, but uh, double bogey on every hole is a one hundred eight. <laughs> uh, well, I know we pride ourselves on being analytics guys. <laughs> so double on every hole is. 36 over. I was thinking I, yeah. I did my math. Yeah, you're right. One <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, hey, either way, no triples. No tri- you're gonna get some bogeys out there. I mean, you mm-hmm. could have 10 doubles and still shoot under is, under. Is, you get you can shoot 28 over. 28 so, over, yes. Yeah, 28 over. So that's like a double on every hole except for eight or something like that. So yeah, yeah. eight or nine. But um yeah. my bad. Either way, the, either my way the, the concept is still there though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's it's just showing like it's really like it's not crazy. It's it's more avoid avoiding hazards that add penalty strokes to your score off the tee or on your approach, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's just it's limiting trying to limit the mistakes in a smart way by not hitting driver by you know, like my 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 buddy uh Jack, he he doesn't pull driver ever and he just started golf 2 3 years ago. He hits three. He hits five foot off of every tee. It goes one eighty to two hundred every time, and he basically hits the fairway every time. And he mm-hmm. he's already in the nineties. Like yeah. you know, he's already breaking a hundred consistently just because he just plays smart golf, right? Yep. I think the uh, I think the other thing that's that's important. This is, might it might be another kind of general thing, but um, like the concept of shaving strokes off by limiting the margin of error there is something that you really need to drill in, in your mind. Cause I feel like all the, the, the guys that are high handicap that I know are trying to limit their big numbers, right? They're trying to like offset a seven with three back-to-back pars. Um, what you really don't realize is if you just bogey every hole, um, you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like you'll, you'll still break a hundred and you'll have, you know, maybe a career low or something like that. Um, so it's really not necessarily limiting the higher numbers as much as it is just kind of limiting your bad, lower numbers i guess if that makes sense um 
It's like you, you just want to be more consistent, I think is what I'm trying to say. Instead of going, you know, par, par, seven, par, par, seven, to try to offset the sevens, just bogey every hole. Just focus on, you know, limiting the over par per hole, if that makes sense, you know. Um, it's not, I guess yeah. what I'm saying is it's not like you don't have to calibrate it by, you know, making a bunch of really good holes back to back if you only bogeyed the hole in the first place. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's so. it's limiting the triples. Like doubles are okay. Right. Because you're, you're not you're not gonna double every hole. Like I, I think mm-hmm. even as a twenty handicapper or a twenty five handicapper, you're still gonna make some bogeys. You might even have, you know, a couple pars. So mm-hmm. um I think that's that's the key. I was just gonna say I think that's a good uh, that applies to all levels as well. I mean, you know, yeah. I, even at my level right now, you know, as like 0.8, I feel like I'm trying to combat any bogey that I get with like three back-to-back birdies, you know, to get back to where I was beforehand. But it's really not about that. It's just about the consistency. You know, if I had parred the hole beforehand, I wouldn't feel, the, you know, the, the need to make, to like birdie out or something like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. that's You're going to hear that phrase. <laughs> So much over the next couple of seconds. Tap in water. Yeah. Even tap in bogeys at this at this stage. At this no, at this stage, that's what we're that's what we should talk. Tap in bogeys. Two putt bogeys. Two putt bogeys will get you to ninety. And then we can just you guys can just skip the rest of this episode and just go to breaking ninety next week. Boom. Roll credits again, part two. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk approach. Let's talk yeah, absolutely. I would say, okay, I'll, uh, so I'll go and approach, I guess one more thing that kind of just popped in my head is I, when I was doing my research, um, this might be a little bit also generalization, but I think it applies more to tee shots mm-hmm. is playing from the correct tees. Um, you don't have to go really far back, just go play six. When you look at a scorecard, it'll have the yardages on there. Yep. I would suggest if your tee shot, so based on the stats that Evan gave, I would say play from 5,500 to 6,000 yards. Yeah, you know, as us as D three golfers, we were playing sixty four to sixty eight. We weren't playing long golf courses. Yeah. Um, I think everybody just gets kind of skewed by watching the PGA Tour and seeing they're playing. Oh, they're playing seventy six hundred yards. Like I gotta go play seven thousand. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it you know just playing the correct tees both helps with pace of play, your enjoyment of the game, and breaking a hundred. Yeah, let's break a hundred and then let's move back to tee box, right? Yeah. Like let, let's let's not make it uh. Let's break 100 before we start trying to play where. Like, even the pros, even the pros, like Kevin Kisner and some of those guys, like, before they go out and play tournaments, if they're not feeling good, they feel like they can't score, they go play the forward tees and just try and make as many birdies as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, swallow your pride, all right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, not a it's not a bad idea, like too, because it brings confidence up. So, you increase, increase your confidence, you'll be more, you know – more uh, it gives your game sense i mean there's so many benefits to that as well that's a good point mac yeah, yeah. so with, with that we'll uh, i'll hop into approach shots and uh i got like heaven i got a few stats for us um cool. i did my math i did kind of my math around 20 handicappers like evan um i think 20 puts us like right just around the 100 like shooting 100 yep um yep. so for 20 handicappers, they average about two and a half to three greens per round. Greens in regulation. That is minimal amounts of greens in regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, it's you, yeah you probably <laughs> not even hit the par fives in 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 regulation, right? So yeah, you don't have to go out and hit every green. You know, I think that's what it goes to show. And then I I think. 
this is kind of where it really gets interesting is the average distance when they do hit a green in regulation is only 36 feet, which is really good. Right. So when we get to the putting, good. yeah, like, I mean, it's, I think for a higher handicap, you know, that's, that's pretty high three putt territory. I would, or, I would say, but I think, um, working on your lag putting, but at the same time for a average approach on, on every hole, whether they hit the green or not is 85 feet or about, uh, like 28, 30 yards, mm-hmm. which is, they don't you know, hit the green. Is that what you said? So on all approaches, distance okay. to the pin is about 30 yards, yeah. which mm-hmm. is a, a very large window. Yeah. Um, I would also like to point you to one more thing is I have a little table here. I would, I would say most, most, um, higher handicappers hitting 200 yards. They're going to have about 185 to 150 to 185 in on any given approach. Right. And so mm-hmm. like seven iron is about greens and regulation with seven iron is about 17%. And, um, like even up as, as far as hybrid is about 6%. Four iron mm-hmm. is even lower than hybrid. So like throw some hybrids in the bag. If you're going to get new clubs, like Ben said, mm-hmm. um, I think a really interesting one though is lob wedge. I mean, they average 47, they're missing greens. They're missing the green more than half, half the time with a lob wedge at 47% greens regulation. That's probably like for for, for a high handicapper. That's probably from like 50 to 60 yards, like, or like from 40 to. Yeah. 40 to 80 yards. yards, Yeah. 60. Yeah. 50, 50 yards, I guess. Um, So I, I think the biggest thing with approach shots is having a game plan um, and understanding working backwards from where you want the ball to be and understanding where your game's at. So I, I kind of went through a little bit of like a, a step, a step-by-step guide almost to kind of get you think, getting us thinking the right way so that we're putting ourselves in good spots, kind of like with tee shots, putting ourselves in good spots so that, if we, when we do miss the green, because we're only hitting, we only need to hit four greens in regulation to, you know, with some good two putting mm-hmm. to, to shoot under that hundred number. My goal is to say, you know, I'm, I, I'm looking at the shot. I want to figure out the circle where I want the ball to be. So maybe part of the circle is on the green, but you know, my circle is about, you know, 20 yards in diameter. Right. Yeah. Um, so if we can take that circle and it puts us in a spot where there's no water or there's maybe not a bunker because we're not too confident in our bunker game, you know, it's putting in us in a spot where we're like, okay, I can get this on the green and I can two putt and get my bogey or double bogey and we can get out of here. Yeah. Um, so that just, and so then once you pick that circle, now you got to think about, okay, how do I get the ball to that circle? I'm playing a giant slice. So maybe I aim, you know, 30 yards left of that circle because I know it's going to go that way or I'm hitting a giant hook, right? Plan mm-hmm. for your miss. Understand that I can put it in the circle, but it's not, I'm not going to just aim at it. I got to think about how my ball is flying that day or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that everybody says, if you talk to any pro or professional teacher, anything like that, their number one thing is take enough club. Mm-hmm. Don't try and big dick. Don't try and be the big dog in the group being like, I'm hitting seven iron from 200 yards. You're not that strong. You're going to swing way too hard and you're going to mess up. 
even if you are that strong, even if you are that strong, you're not that you're not gonna hit. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. (laughs) You're not that guy. We'll get there, buddy. We're gonna get there. (laughs) But swinging softer, and you know, swinging smoother, and you know, having a little bit extra club is far and away the best way to you know play better. Um, Remember, because like you're like, oh, I probably hit the seven hundred one sixty, but in reality it's landing at 145 or 150 and rolling out 10 yards. Yep. Right. So think about like, you know, you think about that when you're uh, trying to get your ball into that circle. Um, another thing is, uh, is confidence. I know we've mentioned it before, but I think what scratch players and what the good players do really well is they don't just, you know, they, they might have a thought pop into their head when they're setting up to the ball, they'll back away. So having that confidence that like I'm the best golfer or, you know, telling yourself that, or just, you know, having a clear objective that you can execute on and knowing and having that feeling that you can go do that, you know? So it's picking a shot that you feel confident to hit or, and if it doesn't go the right way, it doesn't go the way you plan for it. So hopefully it ends up in a good spot. If not, you know, shake it off. You'll, you'll fuck really loud and get on with your life. Um, Everybody has bed bounces. So Confidence is key in in approach shots and and anywhere on the on the golf course is just picking a shot and executing on it. Um, I'll I'll tack on there too. I like that circle uh, that you mentioned too. I mean, I know I do I do that in my game today, and I know a bunch of other people that are uh, that are lower handicaps do that as well. Um, because I think that speaks volume to course management as well. If you're able to pick those those zones. Um, now you're giving yourself a little bit of a margin of error and you're planning for it, which is key, but you're also allowing yourself to kind of limit your focus of the course. You're not looking at the water that's not in your circle, you know? Um, so then your main concern just becomes in your practice and everything becomes, how do I hit that circle more often? Um, and it seems like the same thing as aim at the green and okay, well, how do I hit the green more often? But your circle is going to be a little bit more, um, malleable right like the green is going to be the green the green's always going to be the green it's always going to be blocked by something a bunker this that the other but your zone is going to be a safety zone like that is going to be your circle where you know you're going to be able to get up and down or you know you're going to be able to make that putt um so i I just i just really like that i think that that is that is huge and i think that also talks about you know course management as well and you can even get better at as you progress you'll even get better at picking zones as well um you know and i think you know, it's, you'll start out by picking zones that are like, you know, maybe a little corner if it's in the water or something like that, but um, you'll slowly hone in on it. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love, I love that. Um, picking a circle. And then it's almost like you have, you have two things you're thinking about and you like two targets. There are two circles almost mm-hmm. like one is where, like what portion of the green and portion like next to the green is the, provides the easiest ship and your best chance of making a bogey right? Mm-hmm. That avoids bunkers, avoids water. And then how do you get it there? So most high handicappers slice the ball and they're righties. So you know, your next, your next target is like, okay, where do I have to aim for the ball to slice into that um, zone? I, that was, that was, that was an awesome point. I think your point about taking extra club was really good too, Mac. I think for high handicappers, um, balance, is something that I stress to all my friends that I like I'm I coach up is like swinging so you can stay in balance and you're not leaning over falling over taking a step 
Um, and by taking extra club, it really helps you like not have to swing out of your shoes and lose your balance, but it helps you like you, you, you feel confident that you don't need to swing that hard and you can stay in balance on your follow through and throughout the whole swing. And that's like, that's the Holy grail is, is like being able to hit your shot, stand in your finish and hold that balance for a couple of seconds after you hit, like that's, that's the Holy grail right there. So yeah, agreed. And I think, yeah, taking enough club and also, I mean, I've I've seen, I've seen videos and people talking about it. Like, yeah, when, you know, it's like the scratch golfer, like, it was it was this one video where he took out his uh his buddy who was a high handicapper and they went and played and he took he got the yardage for his buddy every single time and he instead of telling him the actual number like say he shot he says it's one fifty six he goes oh it's one sixty six so he clubbed up you know like thinking it was one sixty six and he was and he he shot the best round of his life so it's it just like granted that's a one off scenario but like it just goes to show like. One, knowing your distances, and two, just, you know, swallowing your pride and not trying to muscle it. Because like Farrar said, having a more balanced swing leads to better consistency, leads to better scores, leads to more, you know, accurate iron play. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Let's, uh, right, let's move into chipping, pitching. Um, there's a couple of stats here, but this is this is kind of my two major points that I wanted to bring to this were like um, – like two different kinds of shots that that I think you need to figure out, learn how to hit if you want to break a hundred. One of them is like a, a chip shot with a lob wedge, and then one of them I call a bump and run, and that's taking like a pitching wedge or a nine iron and taking a little like putting stroke kind of motion, getting the ball on the ground and letting it run. So let's let's first talk about hitting something with a lob wedge or like a sand wedge. So this is one where you're you're there's a bunker in in, in between you and the green. You have to hit it a little bit higher in the air. To, to get it on the green and I think when like if, if I pull up the stats like 20 plus handicappers are not gonna hit like from, from zero to 25 yards off the green mm-hmm. their proximity to the hole is 20 feet if we look at their make percentage from a 20 footer it's like less than five percent so like I think as as a as a high handicapper we're not super worried about hitting a chip shot super close right we're we're because we're we're more worried about getting it on the green and two putting right like that's 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 the name of the game it's not like chucking it into a bunker and leaving it over the green compounding errors it's like okay the pin is tucked on the right side but the center of the green is wide open let's let's chip to the center of the green and and go from there so but with with the with the lob with the this the kind of like lob shot with a sandwich um a lot of people want to like take a divot with with like i see a lot of handy high handicappers try to take like a divot or take like a like a, a weird swipe at it and all sandwiches have bounce on the club which is like the bottom of the club kind of when you when you hit it right it kind of instead of digging into the ground it bounces off the ground so getting like learning the and this is something that you're gonna you're gonna have to you know practice that and it's not going to come right away, but learning how to like hit the bottom of the club and let it bounce without taking a divot bounce off the ground and kind of like use that bounce to get the ball in the air is, is a super useful skill and, you know, hard to do and it's going to take practice. And there's nothing about chipping that's easy, even for scratch golfers like us. But, uh, um, the main point is we're chipping to the fat of the green. We're not going at pins necessarily because, you know, 
chipping on and two putting is the name of the game for when we're trying to break 100. The next shot, the hop and run. If you don't have anything in front of you, you have a lot of green to work with. Um, there's no bunker you have to chip over. There's no water hazard you have to go over. There's not a lot of rough in between you and the in the green. Taking like a nine iron or a pitching wedge and taking a little like putting stroke, getting the ball on the ground and letting it run is like such an easier way to chip than trying to hit like a really hard, like a, like a, a half swing, you know, lob wedge or, or, or sand wedge. Mm-hmm. So try the next time you go out and you have a lot of green to work with, nothing in front of you blocking you. Try to take a nine iron and take a nice, easy little like chip, like little, uh, almost like a putting stroke. Um, and, and try that, try that uh, a couple of times. Cause I think that's, that's huge. Go ahead, Mac. I know you have- I would, I would like to also say that that bump and run, you you should be playing that probably 80% of your chips. Yep. Like that is getting the ball, the name of the game and chipping, even for high handicappers or for low handicappers and scratch and those guys is getting the ball on the ground. Yeah. Just get the ball on the ground, let it roll. Absolutely. It's, it's a lot harder to try and pick a landing. It's a lot harder to hit a landing spot. 20 yards in front of you, 15 yards in front of you than it is to hit it five yards and let it roll. Mm-hmm. So uh, learning that bump and run is so key to getting up and down and not compounding errors. We'll, we'll do a couple of YouTube videos eventually on technique on bump and runs, but there are so many, like just Google or YouTube bump and run chip shots. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what we're talking about mm-hmm. and watch some, some like quick 30 second videos of how to hit a bump and run and go try it. Cause I mean, it's, it's it's literally a game changer around the greens. Absolutely, I uh, I just wanted to put in another upvote for uh, for course management. There, I think like if you're getting to the point where you can actually start to determine whether or not you should hit a high flop shot versus a bump and run, that also really really help you limit strokes when you're out there on the course. Um, I think it applies more to like breaking ninety, breaking eighty. But you know, like we're either trying to hit it over a bunker or we're trying to get it on the ground and let it run at, at right. when we're breaking. Unless you have to get it in the air, yep. Put it on the ground. Put it on the ground. Bump and run. Pitching wedge, nine iron. Even if you have a little like six, seven yard chip shot, yeah. Get out your gap wedge or pitching wedge and just get it just into the fringe and let it trickle out. Most of the time, those kind of shots you can just putt anyway if you want. But the idea of taking the wet or the the uh, the iron is that you can just get it on the green a little bit. You kind of get it over the little bit of you know, fairway or fringe that you have to go over. An- another one I would love to point out, um, pa- uh, uh, big, uh, ca- uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, the long hitter. You talking about Kyle? Uh... No, no, no. I'm talking about the hybrid, the, uh, the, not the con, like a convert, but I, uh, you talking about the big Randy hybrid play, dude. Yes. Yeah. I'm talking about the big Randy hybrid play. Yeah. Big proponent, right. a big proponent of, of this shot, the bump and rum hybrid is yeah. go watch big Randy from no laying up, go watch his highlights. His, his hybrid bump and runs are unmatched. Yeah. He's, he's so good at it. It's such a good shot to have. He gets it on the ground fast. It's like, it's like hitting a putt from the fairway. It gets it up when you hit the hybrid instead of a putter. It, it puts it in the air just a little bit. So you kind of mess, you don't have to mess with the fairway as much. If you have like, and it's, it's amazing. It's I, I, I even use it to this day. Yeah. If you like, People that struggle with chipping, my dad, Big Randy, who's like six nine, six ten, that can't can't quite chip, can't 
Um, if you're like a yard or two off off of in, just into the rough, like barely into the rough, and you like you're like not comfortable putting that, taking a hybrid and just making a putting stroke at it because like a hybrid has like 20 degrees of loft, it'll it'll perfectly pop it up over the rough and you it'll land and run like a putt and it's mm-hmm. it, it is a, a shot that I mean, he big Randy even uses it from like 20 yards off the fairway yeah it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal shot that and I, I will say ben made a good point if you ever have the chance or the like if there's a question between whether to hit a chip shot or to putt it as a high handicapper putt mm-hmm. the ball like if you ever if you have the opportunity around the greens and you're only barely in the rough you have a lot you say you're kind of in the fairway rather than trying to hit a chip shot try like putt those like i i, mm-hmm. I always say your worst putt is better than your worst chip so yeah you ever have the opportunity to put it i think that's that's huge for breaking 100 that especially um that's going to limit so many strokes out there but cool so let's let's dive into our last little section here putting um so funny enough uh there's not a ton of stats on putting because People that are shooting 100 don't typically keep track of all million putts they hit in a round. Um, but I did find some stats, so I wanted to point this out. So this is actually really, really cool in my opinion as well. Um, so around 21 to 25 handicappers, like the, the zone that we've been looking at, they on average have about 36.8 putts per round. Now, scratch golfers only on average have 31.5 putts per round. So the zone that I'm talking about here when I'm going forward is literally six shots in difference, right? But that is the world of difference, especially on putting. That's six tangible shots too. Exactly. I would, I would argue for, uh, for the tee shots and the approach shots, you know, we're talking about theoretical shots with putting. Mm -hmm. You're like, that's six shots right there. And you know it. Yep. And I think the biggest thing I I could talk about this all day, but I think the biggest thing for breaking a hundred is minimizing three putts. And I know we talked about it beforehand, um, but I want to bring up the little case study that I had yesterday. Um, so we had one one guy shoot a 77, and we had another guy shoot an 89 on our team yesterday that we were, that we were coaching. Um, granted, there were a lot of different shots, like uh, one of the guys, the guy that shot 89, he was a little bit uh, woozy off the tee and kind of smacked all over the place. But he had so many more three putts out there than – the guy that shot 77. Yep. Um, and you, you know, if you go out there and watch any golf, you can, you can notice that. But so let me dive in really quick into how we actually avoid the three putts. Um, I noticed this a lot with, uh, you know, these higher handicap guys um, when they, when they're faced with a putt that might have, you know, some complex break, uh, maybe it's really far from the hole or something like that. They're, kind of looking at like a bigger hole it's it's a little bit weird um but and it, it, sort, it sort of goes hand in hand with the circle that we talked about earlier as well but um i feel like tightening that hole is really important um minimizing three putts isn't necessarily make the first putt it's really just leave your second putt in a spot where you can make that one instead um especially from from longer distances now you know, you might have a 50 foot putt and that's kind of even at our level, that's kind of just, you know, a hit and hope type deal um, because it's 50 feet. It's really hard to get that, you know, five feet. Um, now, granted, as time comes, you'll be able to you know hit those a little bit more consistently. But I think from like 
15 feet and in, your goal should not be really making the putt. It should be leaving your second putt in a spot where you can tap it in. Um, I think a perfect example going like kind of wrapping all this th up together is, you know, you have a great tee shot, you have a decent approach shot, you hit your zone, you're five, 10 yards off the green, you chip it up there to about 20 feet, right? Now from here on out, you could either double the hole or you could bogey the hole, which as we mentioned earlier is a big difference, right? That's a three putt versus a two putt. That's only one stroke. However, it's huge when you add them all up and putting is one of those things that adds up really, really quick. So when you approach that that 20 foot putt, you should be looking at, you know, kind of dying it near the hole. I think the speed control is a big thing as well for breaking 100. Um, most people just kind of aim at the hole and they just they just laser at it right at it. You're trying to make par like the high handicapper is like, oh, I have a putt for par. It's 20 feet. I can make this. Like, right. Yeah, yes, you can make it. You could make it. Miss it. You know, like you're but you're most likely going to miss it. Like even pros only make 20 footers like 10 percent mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah, so, right. So it's all speed. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with what you're saying. Ben. It's all so about in, the, the next part. Yeah. And what that really boils down to, funny enough, is obviously a combination of the speed, but also the line. But I think it's interesting to know. So the, in golf, there's something called a pro side and an am side, right? Mm -hmm. If you're missing your putts, it's kind of the pro side and the low side. But either way, the concept is there. The pros typically uh, miss the ball on the high end of the hole, right? So you know, you have a left to right breaking putt. Uh, they'll usually miss, the pros are usually missing the left side. They played more break than they were supposed to. But somebody who's 100 handicap is going to miss on the low side. So they'll miss the cup on the right side of the hole in that theoretical example, yep. not playing enough break. And I think that is so key because I even notice people at scratch golfers don't do that. Um, and, you know, Northeastern Ohio golf is incredibly slopey on the greens. They can't get very, very creative on the on the actual course layout so you know the greens are crazy and i still see scratch golfers going out there and aiming right at the hole and you know hitting it with a ton of speed that's not really the key if you have to play two feet of break and tap the ball just to keep it near the hole because that will guarantee you a two putt i still don't even do this to the day to this day um you know if you have a five footer and it's sloping it's downhill you know you got you know nothing but green behind the hole it's intimidating all this you really, your focus shouldn't be making the putt. If you make it, that's a bonus. Great. But in that scenario, the margin of error is, is so high, right? You just hit a little bit too hard. It goes 10 feet past the hole. Now you're looking at the same scenario and that you might still three putt. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I think mean, the strokes really just comes down to, um, you know, leaving that, that second putt in a spot where you can just tap it in. Um, and that, that really, and, you know, to bring it back to what I mentioned earlier, that's the six stroke difference. That's what yeah. happened is those those scratch golfers are giving themselves easy two putts or like we talked about tapping pars, tapping bogeys yep. um, and breaking I mean, 100 going to be so beneficial. I found a stat here, um, which just kind of reaffirms everything mm -hmm. that you're saying from five feet. 20 handicappers make those less than 50 percent of the time from five mm -hmm. feet. Yep. So, it even on five footers and three footers, speed is still the most absolute mm -hmm. most important thing that you should be thinking about over than over trying to make it. Like I, I only make I'm gonna make this less than half of the time, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna at least guarantee that my next putt, even if I don't make it, is an inch or a less than a foot, so I can tap it in mm -hmm. and into putting there, even from five feet. Like that, that like everyone wants to make those five footers, and everyone gets pissed off when they make the five footers. But the the statistic is. 
my handicappers make less than half of their putts from five feet. So let's let's stop worrying about trying to make that and hitting it way past it, and let's try mm-hmm. to die it in the front edge. If we miss it, we tap it in. That's yeah. so- and and to, to your point, they you know they always there's a common stat that always reoccurs on the PGA Tour on Sundays or after somebody wins is they made almost every putt or they made every putt inside of six feet. Yeah. And they're winning the, the tournament for some of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're not trying to make every six footer. You're never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. Yeah. It's you're going to make, try and make half of them, mm-hmm. but don't three putt them. Right. Uh-huh. That's, that's where you that, that, like, count the next time you play, how many times do you, Three putt from inside 15 feet or 10 feet. 15, 20 feet. Yeah. I think, I think if you can avoid those, that's, that's, you're breaking. I think inside of 20 feet, you should not, you should almost never be three putting. Mm -hmm. If you, if you're trying to break, I mean, that's, that's probably more true for about, you know, an 80 handicap or shooting it, shooting it under 80 or under 90. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, you know, challenge yourself a little bit trying to break 100, you know, really try to limit, you're going to have them. So don't get mad when you do. But limit them so you're not having six, six three putts around. You're having maybe you know two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I'm going to finish this little section off with uh, stating that the PGA Tour leader right now, average strokes or average uh, putts per round is only 27.5. So that's only four putts in difference uh, on average every round from the PGA Tour leader to the scratch golfers. Yeah. So I guess my my whole point there is just putting. Is so is is it's the very uh, minute part of the game that you have to look at, right? It's the part that not really. It's easy to overlook. It's easy to be like, oh well, yeah, I'll be fine putting out there because I'm going to have a six footer, you know. Well, okay, that six footer is going to turn into is going to equal the entirety of the of the hole that you just had in order to get to the green if you just miss that putt by five feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah. I just think that's, that's awesome. Putting. Like, if we can leave you with anything, it's just. Like literally worry so much about like only speed. Like if you could worry about anything else, it's just like the speed of the putts and leaving yourself tap in putts for your, for your next putt is yeah. Yep. Even at five feet. And yeah. I would, I would like to, if anything else, I, cause I think I have a drill that I think would be great for this. Um, unless anybody has anything else, I, I can end with that. Yeah. Let's end with that. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this this drill, I still do it to this day. I love it. It's amazing. Um, it's You're doing it the other. Way. It's it's a it's a it's a box. I call it the box drill. Um, basically, you you go pick a a hole out where you can kind of go back 20, 30, 40 feet. You put a T at twenty, T at thirty, T at forty, or whatever distances you want. Right, three or four T's. Um, and then up by the hole, you make a three foot circle. I use like my alignment stick and a couple clubs, but you make a box around the hole up from the front of the hole around it, three feet. So the, so that's the, clubs, your, are, the clubs are like on the side of it and behind. Correct. It, right? Yeah. So it's like, if my face is the hole, you yep. know, you got club here, club here, and you're putting this way. Yep. Um, so <laughs> you, so now, <laughs> <Up> um, this <laughs> way. um, so now that you have your box, that's your scoring area. You hit a putt from 20 feet, hit a putt from 30 feet, hit a putt from 40 feet. If you get it to the hole and in the box, it's a point. If you make it, it's three points. If you leave it short or miss the box, it's minus a point. Um, yep. And 
And also, if you hit the if you hit the stick or the club, um, because I that's also uh no points because no in theory it would go out of the box. Yep. Um, but anyway, so you got that point system, and you play into a and you just go until you get eleven points. So it's really good. Drill. You have some pre- It gives you some pressure practice. It gives you it gives you a feel of how to hit lag putts and how to get it in that scoring zone of like I'm going to two putt this now. But that's that's cool too because it's like you you can only really score points if you get the ball to the hole, but you leave it close enough that you're going to tap it in for the next one. So it's like I'm giving it a chance to make it, and my speed is just perfect enough that like if I miss it, I'm inside the like the gimme range. Um, yeah, that's an awesome drill. And I would also say that um, Lou Stagner will have my head if I don't mention this, but you don't <laughs> have to get the ball out of the hole to get into, you know, to, to be a good golfer, right? You just got to get it in that scoring range. So the scoring range really extends short, but it's always nice to get it past the hole. Yeah. So you could, yeah. Like maybe, yeah. maybe as like a for the breaking a hundred segment, if you get it within two or three feet short yeah. of the hole, that still counts. Like that counts. Yep. Again, it's all about leaving yourself the closest putt for the next putt. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Well, that was, that was fun. I hope you guys, uh, Learned a little something. I'm definitely going to be sharing this with my high handicap friends, and like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, literally listen to this and bring your notepad because <laughs> this is yeah. absolutely. I think this is a this is a great episode and a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. I think I I also I in my in my personal experience coaching, like I was a goalie coach for hockey for a little bit, and it just like you kind of forget all the basics, and when you go back and try and explain it all, you kind of remember a few things they're like oh yeah you know and you take it out and it helps you play better you know like you go back to the fundamentals so i'm looking forward to it i can't wait to bring up this graph again and be like hey by the way the only difference between 16 to 20 handicappers and 21 to 25 is one stroke as well so yeah no difference (laughs) one less three putt yeah right (laughs) all right guys cool that was awesome signing off cheers cheers 